welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey, welcome to Church at The Well. If you're new here or just joining us, my name is VJ. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, the last eight weeks, we have been exploring a question together, a question that whether you're new to faith, exploring faith, or well along in your faith journey, um, and no matter what age and stage of life you're in, is a question probably you've asked in different ways, but we've used these words, how do I grow? How do I actually become more of the person I was meant to be, that I believe I was created to be, that deep down I want to be and long to be, but so often feel stuck or feel like I can't be? How do I grow in maturity, in wisdom, in my relationship, my relationship with God, my relationship with other people? How do I grow to become someone? As we said, we've used this metaphor that is common actually from scripture of a tree, someone who has roots that are rooted in or deep down into the life-giving source that is God, that produces a sense of stability and peace and true vitality in our lives that ends up, just like a tree grows up and out out of good roots, that ends up becoming a life-giving source to other people, a blessing. Which, you know, if we've all read those stories of people at the end of their lives, what they value and think about and reflect on and want to have most, to know that they were a blessing and a gift to other people, the relationships in their lives, as opposed to accomplishments they may have had in this area or that area. How do I grow? Now, I may be the only one who thinks this way, but on one level, certainly when it comes to growing my relationship with God and other people, if I could just have been with Jesus or see Jesus face to face, then I could grow. Like if, if I could have um, been one of those people that was with him when he came and walked on the earth and had seen him face to face, had a flesh, you know, like in the flesh body encounter with Jesus that I'm like, oh, that's who you are. That I could listen to him speak to me, like hear his words directly out of his mouth, that I could see his power at, at work in and around me, that I could hug him, that I could, um, you know, be helped by him. Then I would be able to grow. And th- that actually would help me. And that makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. If you think about um, the gospel accounts that we have of Jesus, um, it records just three years of his life, pretty much. Um, now, I don't know what you've done with the last th- three years of your life, uh, but if I look at mine, man, Jesus' life over three years is just, it is an incredible account of, um, uh, well, actually, you read a book that we've recommended many times at this church called Who Is This Man? It's actually one, uh, a summary of all of the impacts that Jesus made on society and life, not just then, but in the 2000 years since then. But those three years of, of his life see someone who had a kind of compassion and love and a radical acceptance and inclusivity of all kinds of people from different backgrounds and, um, and, and things that otherwise that culture and even many ways still our culture today keep people out and away and separated from each other. Jesus broke down all of those barriers. In a sense, the modern social justice movement, the modern equality movement, the modern um, sort of move for... Um, you know, helping other, the weak and the marginalized, the poor members of society. Jesus laid all of the foundation for that in a society and culture that didn't think that way by what he taught, what he did, and how he acted towards other people. We see an incredible amount of relational compassion and love and kindness. We also see like 
incredible, miraculous accounts of things that he did, that even people who weren't sure that he was the son of God, even the historian Josephus in his Antiquities of the Jews wrote about this Jesus of Nazareth who did miraculous things. There are accounts outside of the biblical account referencing his miraculous uh, activity. And then we see like, uh, uh, and here kind of teaching and a wisdom that helped them understand God and themselves and the world like no one had ever taught before. And in fact, much of, there's many things that today we still consider some of the most purest and most beautiful words of wisdom, like the golden rule. It's, um, you know, uh, do unto others, not as they have done to you, but as you would like them to do to you. These are the words of Jesus that have stand, stood the test of time. His actions, his, his miracles, his words, and then of course his sacrificial life all the way through being someone, though he had incredible power and authority, used it in the service of others in a humble way, ultimately fully uh, represented to us in his death on the cross, which they say, some historians say that actually changed the definition of what leadership virtue is, that humility actually became a virtue, if you trace it back historically, at the point of the death of Jesus Christ, that he redefined what true power and leadership and authority is. It's why actually the Gospels, his uh, biographical accounts, have been translated in over 2,500 languages. Um, you know, the next most translated book is Don Quixote in 60 languages. The Bible, the Gospels specifically, have been translated in over 2,500 languages. There's been more songs sung about him than any person in history. I know when Tupac died, they wrote some songs about him. When Biggie died, they wrote a couple songs about him. But nobody has had the amount of songs written about him by every, they haven't stopped writing songs about Jesus in every language almost on the face of the planet. And so, of course, we'd say, man, like, it would be so great if I could have been with him and see him. Then my faith would actually grow. But I'll be honest with you, in this incredible life that Jesus lives through what he said and how he acted towards people, the miracles he did, what he taught, his sacrificial life, um, his death, and then his resurrection, it kind of seems like after that, his plan gets bad. <laughs> like, if we're honest, Right? Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. How he said, Hey, I know you've walked with me and learned with me, and like this is great, but now I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And at the time, them and to some degree, us still, we go, That sounds like a bad plan, right? Like Jesus just rose from the dead in three years, accomplished so much. Imagine if he had lived another 60 years, right? And just stayed in the there was all kinds of people in Bible times and earlier who lived much longer. He could have just lived longer, but he says, no, I'm leaving and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, which as we said last week was this, this promise of help from God. I'm going to send you help. And we said that the Holy Spirit comes actually to help us in a totally new way. That even though Jesus was on the earth, present at one time in one place um, with a certain group of people, Jesus said, no, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will be present in all people at all times in all places, like in each person. And that's the, that's the way that help is going to come. Jesus will be, in a sense, in the flesh. And we said this to say, oh man, if I had only seen Jesus in his flesh and blood, like actual, the actual body of Jesus, if I'd have heard his voice and, and seen his power and just been with him, that would have made all the difference. But he says, no, that actually the Holy Spirit is going to be my flesh and blood body on the earth. That is, as people, we said this a couple weeks ago, as people, you and I, individuals who are followers of Jesus, 
all form, in a sense, parts of one body, that is Jesus, that together, when we come together, Jesus is actually present in flesh and blood through his body every place there is a church which is pretty much every village, city, town, country in the world. You go, they may not have a post office, they may not have a Walmart, but they have a church. It just basically means that Jesus is now present in the flesh and blood members, in a sense of his body, the church, the Jesus followers around the world. And yet, if I'm honest, it feels like a bad plan. And here's what I mean. If I think that many people would say they can't believe in Jesus or they don't know Jesus or they can't see Jesus because they haven't seen him through his flesh and blood body, the church. Let's be honest. Maybe for many of you or your friends or family or neighbors or coworkers or um, people on your baseball team or hockey or whatever, the reason they don't see Jesus because they've seen Um, not much of a body of Jesus in their world. You know what they've seen maybe? They've seen a mouth, a mouth that's kind of angry and loud and speaks out about what it's against and is vocal and aggressive. And that's what they've seen. Not, Not the body of Christ. They've just seen an angry, loud mouth. Others have seen a pointing finger. Not the body of Christ, but a pointing finger that points the finger at everyone else and what they're doing wrong and what they should do better and should be better. Judging in a sense, criticizing, shaming, um, uh, pointing, laying blame on others. Many people haven't seen the body of Christ. They've seen a pointing finger. Or others perhaps have seen closed eyes and folded arms a community of people that don't want to see their own issues, their own problems, their own sin as the church, a community that doesn't want to see how broken and hurting the world is, or even if it does see, it folds its arms and says, I'm not doing anything about that. Sadly, friends, that's what people have seen, not the full flesh and blood body of Jesus as if it was Jesus on the earth. They've seen a loud, angry mouth, a pointing, accusing, shaming finger, or um, eyes that are closed to the problems of this world, or arms that are folded, refusing to help. It feels like a bad plan. (laughs) It reminded me of the scene in Endgame when they realized that um, one of the key persons that's a part of their plan is probably actually (laughs) a big disappointment. Have a look. So he's an idiot. Yeah. Look, maybe you think I'm being harsh or cynical to say that, you know, mostly what people have seen uh, is not the full body of Christ like Jesus on the earth and all those amazing things he did and said, but a loud, angry mouth, a pointing finger and closed eyes and folded arms. Um, But maybe some of us, it's more just like we can say that's a false picture of Jesus. That's not who Jesus is. That's certainly not what we read about in the Gospels. 
But maybe some of us have just seen an incomplete picture of Jesus, where all we've seen as part of the body of Christ is a mouth that kind of teaches or preaches or sings, and maybe a hand that, you know, that gives some money away from time to time. An incomplete picture of Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus' plan is good. It is a good plan. It's just impossible without the Holy Spirit. Jesus' plan is good. It's just impossible without the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I can more specifically say, Jesus' plan is good. It's just impossible without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we began to explore how the way the Holy Spirit actually brings us together is as a body, but that there are gifts that the Spirit gives to that body so that the body can become the full representation of Jesus on the earth. I want you to listen to how uh, this particular New Testament writer, um, writing two separate letters to two separate churches in the first century, one to uh, a a town called Corinth, which was uh, an isthmus off the coast of Greece, um, and another one in Rome, and how he describes the various ways that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church and what that means for us to realize Jesus' plan is good that the church would actually be his flesh and blood body on the earth. Let's have a listen. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What is described for us here, it might be new to some of you, it might be familiar to some of you, but I think it bears repetition because in many ways we don't understand it. And it is the key for us, you know, knowing how do we grow and what does it mean for the world to be blessed as we grow. The writer here describes this... um, Uh, the church being a community that is unity in diversity, that there is unity. We are one body, that is the body of Christ, one body. But just like a body has many parts, there is diversity in the body of Christ. And this isn't just like um, about the ethnic diversity that is meant to exist in the body of Christ and the diversity of backgrounds and socioeconomic diversity, um, uh, both genders, that there's diversity of, of, of people and, um, and abilities. 
there, the diversity is actually fully expressed, this writer says, in the diversity of gifts given to the church. That the community of faith is a community given different gifts that together come together so that there is one body that is seen. This isn't like, um, you know, Myers-Briggs with a cross around its neck, right? Or, or the Enneagram, you know, like those personality. This isn't like, oh, spiritual gifts are like your spiritual personality. That's not it. The whole point is that the only way that people are going to actually see Jesus, flesh and blood on the earth, is when the body of Christ in all of its giftings and diversity comes together. And when it does, what is seen is Jesus. More specifically, when the body works together like this as, as um, in unity and diversity and has all of the gifts that are present, and many of them are described in this passage we just read. It's not an exhaustive list, but it describes a number of them. That when we come together like that, we and the world around us get to hear the words of Jesus and the voice of Jesus being spoken. Right? When we come together, we get to hear the words of Jesus and the voice of Jesus being spoken. We get to see the work of Jesus being done, just the kind of amazing work that Jesus did when he walked on the earth. When the church operates in its gifts, the same work of Jesus is seen by people around us. And then the power and presence of Jesus are felt and witnessed by us and the world around us. This is what it means for the church through the gifts of the spirit, the essential gifts of the spirit, make Jesus visible in the world so that the gifts that are like, that speaking gifts are words, are words and a voice of Jesus that people can hear. When we use gifts that, and we use these categories in our church, they're not from the, from the Bible. We just use them to help describe what these gifts are, gifts that speak and gifts that do and gifts that demonstrate. Gifts that speak allow people to hear the words and the voice of Jesus as if he is speaking to them. Gifts that do allow people to feel the effects and the goodness of the work of Jesus, just like the work he did 2,000 years ago. The gifts that demonstrate are visible demonstrations that people can feel and witness to the power and presence of Jesus still as powerful and present on the earth now as he was 2,000 years ago through his flesh and blood body the church. Which is to say this, the church isn't a volunteer organization where everybody needs to do their part. The church is a body where each person needs to be their part. Right? The church isn't a volunteer organization where everybody needs to do their part. It is a body of Christ where everyone needs to be their part. This text says that, and all around it says, the gifts are given to each person. Every person who is a follower of Jesus has at least one spiritual gift that is given to us so that collectively together, remember we said last week, the gifts aren't about you. There are gifts through you to others and to the world so that Jesus becomes visible. This is the point of the gifts. You know, one of the songs of faith that we sing here, we've sung for the last couple of years, um, that reminds us of the presence and power of Jesus is called uh, the song Waymaker. And one of the lines in it says, you are here moving in this place, or you are here touching every heart. That is true, that Jesus is here. His presence and power are here. His work is here. 
but it's present through the Holy Spirit in the church, right? Well, often we think, oh, you are here, but I can't really see you and I can't fit, really feel you. That's not how it's meant to be. We are meant to see him and hear him and feel his touch and his power and his presence through the flesh and blood body, the church, as the spirit with its gifts makes Jesus alive and present to us and the world around us. And so before we kind of end this teaching time, we're talking a little bit more specifically about some of these gifts that speak and that demonstrate. We're going to pause here just to sing this song, Waymaker, together. And, and I just want you to invite you to sing it as a, a song of faith that says, Lord, yeah, we need to see you more moving in this place, in people's lives, in our hearts, that we know you are here through your church. <laughs> Help us to know that more through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gifts that the Spirit gives. Help the world to see a better picture of the body of Christ, not just a mouth that criticizes or a finger that points or arms that are folded and don't care about what's going on in the world, but a body that actually speaks your words in your life, that does your good work in the world, and that is a visible demonstration of your power. And so let's sing that together, and then we're going to talk about, okay, what do more of these gifts actually look like in our lives? Together, church. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. We'll sing that together again. You are 
never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. These passages we read today and, and several others um, in the scriptures describe various gifts. And as you said, the categories we use in the church are just to help us think about them that way. Um, well, last week, we talked about the gifts that do, um, that do the work, that Jesus didn't show up as this kind of floating spirit, just sort of spreading, you know, spiritual pixie dust around, but he actually did stuff. He did amazing, good things. He was always at work when he was on the earth. And there are gifts that do, and you can um, kind of go back and listen to that if you missed it last week. And actually we did a series in 2016 called Fully Alive. Um, where we spent seven weeks on spiritual gifts. And so if you're someone who wants to learn more about this, and I hope all of you do, uh, that's what I'm trying to convince you of in these messages, you'll go back <clears throat> and listen to that. But we're going to want to spend just a few minutes talking about the other two categories of gifts. One of the categories is the gifts that speak. And these are gifts that the Spirit gives so that when people, when we, filled with the Spirit, speak, that people hear words that are um, from the mouth of Jesus, that they hear the voice of Jesus <clears throat> through the gifts that speak. And there's a few of them even mentioned in these texts. One of them <clears throat> is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching, really someone with the gift of teaching, it basically turns the spiritual light on, if we can say that for people. It's a gift that uses words and scripture to help people not just know stuff about God. It isn't just about communication. It actually allows them to go, oh, I, I, I want to know and follow and love and trust Jesus more. Someone with the gift of teaching helps people. It inspires them in their relationship journey with Jesus. Others have the gift of encouragement, which is using words, prayer, and scripture to strengthen and inspire others as they follow Christ. People with the gift of encouragement, when they send a text or they send an email or they pick up the phone or they talk to you at the end of home group or, um, you know, at your house one evening or after church or something, you feel like they just gave you some words of encouragement. You went away feeling like more inspired. 
You went away feeling like, okay, I can face another day. You went away feeling like, okay, I can handle what's coming uh, down the pipe for me. You went away feeling uh, lifted up in your spirit. That is the impact. It was like Jesus was speaking to you. They may not have even known it. Remember we said we don't often know the impact that we have. We actually need each other to help us understand the spiritual gifts. The gift of encouragement leaves an impact on the person as if Jesus himself was speaking words of strength and inspiration to your heart. Then there's the gift of exhortation. Exhortation is like someone said once, it's like encouragement with a hug, but also a little bit of a slap saying, hey, come on. Someone with the gift of exhortation uses words and prayer and scripture to call out or call people back to God or to the things that they know are true, but maybe have forgotten or are ignoring or are not living out. People with the gift of exhortation, they encourage and inspire us, but it's a little bit of a prod. It's like, come on. God has used many people in our church who have this gift to to bring me back, to inspire me, to challenge me, to push me on. We don't just need people who are going to hug us and encourage us. We need sometimes people to kick us in the butt, to move us forward in love. And when the Spirit does it through someone, it doesn't feel harsh. It doesn't feel angry. It doesn't feel judgmental. It doesn't feel shaming. It makes us want to move forward. That's how you know someone is using the gift of exhortation. We respond well to it. This isn't just people go around, oh yeah, I tell everyone the truth. (laughs) That's not the gift of exhortation. That just might be pride. (laughs) The gift of exhortation actually invites people to move forward and they love it. They're like, oh yeah, tell me that again. (laughs) They need it. The gift of evangelism. This is someone who's able to speak to people who believe and people who don't believe, but primarily people who don't believe in a way that helps them believe. It helps them see Jesus in a way they've never seen before to help them love and trust and follow him. And then there are uh, those with the gift of intercession. That's a gift of prayer, but it's the kind of prayer that um, praying with um, anyone such that they, for for specific things or for a long period of time, such that they experience the presence and power and love of Jesus. People with the gift of intercession are able to pray when others feel like they don't have anything else to pray. Um, Their instinct is to pray. They're able to pray for someone for a long period of time. They're able to pray through for a lot of people. Some of us look at them and go, oh, that's just, you must be more holy. No, that's actually a gift. Some people just have that gift to be able to do it. And we need people in the church who have that so that the whole church can be inspired to pray. The whole church can be prayed for. Those are the people we go to with our prayer requests, with our burdens. They have the gift of being able to speak in prayer for others and with others. These are all words, but note that they're not uh, words that are just about being clever or funny or convincing or even manipulative. Like when you read about the life of Jesus, when he used his words, he wasn't angry or harsh or manipulative. He wasn't trying to get people to do something. He wasn't a salesman. He wasn't a lawyer, but his words brought life and strength and hope and peace and sometimes challenge to move people closer to God and closer to each other. When we use the gifts that speak, even though they're our words, ordinary voices, they have the impact of being the voice and the words of Jesus. And so I want you to reflect on this for a moment. Um, Where have you experienced this from someone else in the church? Someone with the gift of teaching or someone with the gift of encouragement or someone with the gift of exhortation or someone um, whose words actually led you to follow Jesus or someone who's prayed for you or with you and it had a a huge impact on your life. And as we said, you probably need to make a just mental note if somebody comes to mind that you're going to encourage them after and say, hey, when you did this, 
It was like the voice of Jesus to me. It was like the words of Jesus. Don't assume they know. We don't actually know our gifts until we actually just start doing them, using them. They may not realize, oh, I just prayed for that person. Oh, I just sent a text. Oh, I just picked up the phone. But you felt it was Jesus speaking to you. So take a, take a minute, like a, just a mental note to encourage them. Or the other question is, where have you seen this maybe in your life? Is this a gift maybe you think you have? Are you someone who is motivated quickly to pray? Are you someone who loves to help people see Jesus and understand him more through teaching? Are you someone who immediately wants to move to encourage someone? Are you someone who's okay and not too afraid to challenge another person in love and with grace? Um, ask people around you, right? Because the best way is for other people to say, yeah, that's the impact you've had. We don't declare our own gifts. And it says the spirit gives to each person as the spirit decides, not us. We don't get to say, oh, that sounds good. I'd like that one. Um, that's not how it works. But we need affirmation from other people. And so maybe you want to ask someone else, hey, do you think I might have this gift? Those are the gifts that speak. There are gifts that do, the gifts that speak, and then there are gifts that demonstrate. And what we mean is gifts that demonstrate the presence and power of Jesus still today, that he is still here moving in power and with his presence. And again, these passages list a few of those different gifts. One of them is the gift of wisdom, which is speaking truth or the application of biblical instruction into a given situation, which clarifies God's voice and affirms his will helps people understand the will and the voice of God more. When someone speaks with wisdom, it's not just, oh, you know something about that subject. It's not intellect. It's not like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's not just common sense. It's a kind of word that helps people go, oh, that's where God is at work. That's what God is doing. That's what God desires. That's a gift of power. Then knowledge. Knowledge is actually uh, the capacity to supernaturally understand something that no one has told you to know something about a situation or an individual. There have been people, I've had people say things to me that I never told them, but they knew what was going on in my life. That's a gift of knowledge. Sometimes someone texting me saying, hey, I feel like you're struggling right now. I'm praying for you. And at that moment, I was out of the blue. It's not something they text. In fact, I'd never gotten a text from that person like that before. That's a gift of knowledge in a very kind of simple way. Other times there's people who know what's going on in the room or in the world that they, in a way they shouldn't know. That's actually God giving gifts of knowledge to people so they know what they need to know in order that God might be glorified more. Then there's the gift of faith. This is a supernatural confidence in who God is and what he will do. When you hang around people with the gift of faith, you leave there with more faith in your own life. You leave a conversation with them, an interaction with them, and you feel more bold. You feel more strengthened. You feel more convinced of who God is and what he will do. Not always, oh, I have faith that this, this outcome or that outcome, it's just a strength and an increased confidence in who God is and that he is at work in your life and in this world. The gift of prophecy, that is a speaking gift, but it actually demonstrates power. It's words to a community or person either to help them understand the work or the word of God now or in the future. Someone with the gift of prophecy actually brings light and saying, this is what God is doing. This is what God is saying right now. This is where God is at work. Or sometimes even a forward-looking, a future-oriented word of what God will do. The gift of healing is a supernatural release of the healing power of Jesus for the relief or cure of emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental illnesses. 
we have seen people healed in our church. I have experienced some healing in my body. Some of you have before from people with the gifts of healing. And that's why regularly we pray for healing at the end of services or we have healing uh, prayer nights during our week of prayer and on our encounter nights, like you can receive healing. There are people who have these gifts and some of us don't know whether we have them until we're actually having to pray for someone for healing. And they say, hey, they come back later and say, that was healed or that pain was relieved or I was able to sleep tonight or whatever. Those are the gifts of healing working in the church. And then miracles, which is slightly different, sort of includes healing, but it's the releasing of God's supernatural power so his miraculous intervention in circumstances or people is revealed. So that again, that people see God intervening in circumstances or in people's lives. Another gift that demonstrates is discernment. This is the ability to see or perceive the presence of good or evil, both in the unseen spiritual world or between people. Someone's saying, I'm sensing something going on or sense someone who can sense God's spirit at work or sometimes sensing evil spirits at work or sometimes just sensing there's something below the surface that's not being said, but I'm, I don't have a good feeling about this. Um, that sometimes is the gift of discernment. And then the last two are the gift of tongues, which is speaking in another language that you don't know. Sometimes we, I've read stories of people being gifted to speak a language they had never learned before to communicate who God is to people who needed to hear it in, in their own language or just the gift of tongues, which is an unknown language. It has the pattern of language, but it isn't any kind of world or known language in the world for communicating, um, you know, Christ, revealing Christ's wisdom and power and presence in the church. And then the gift of interpretation is because it's a language that's not known, when the gift of tongues is present, when someone speaks in a tongue in a prayer meeting or a home group or something, that we say, hey, does someone else have the gift of interpretation to help us understand what these words we otherwise wouldn't understand mean? Again, these are not things we ask for or sign up for or say, I'd like to have this. Uh, oh, we can't ask for them, but they, 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 they're not up to us. It's the Holy Spirit who actually decides and gives to the church so that Jesus is made visible, so that the full body of Christ is made present in the world in the things that Jesus did, in the things that he speaks, and the things that he does to demonstrate his power and his presence. And so again, I'll ask you to take a moment just to reflect. Where have you experienced any of this through someone else in the body of Christ? A gift of uh, like a word of wisdom or knowledge, a prophetic word, healing, a miracle, um, discerning spirits or tongues or interpretation. Where have you experienced this? And you might need to make a mental note and share that with someone else. Or where have you seen this in your own life? saying, yeah, maybe I might actually have this gift. I'm going to ask someone who's close to me, who's seen me, who I've worked with in the church or in a faith community or whatever, who knows me, I have to say, yes, this may be something I might have. And what would it mean for me to actually learn to use that more? The interesting thing with these gifts is we need each other to figure them out, as we said last week. But all these faith catalysts we talked about in the first five weeks of these series, as you engage in weekly worship, in home groups, in serving together, in personal practices of prayer, and living on mission, that's when you begin to discover and develop and use your spiritual gifts. It's as you're doing these things, you are gifted by the Holy Spirit to grow, to develop, to understand your spiritual gifts, because we need them. We need our spiritual gifts present in our weekly worship service, in our home groups, as we serve, in our personal times of prayer or Sabbath or fasting. We need them present as we do mission in the world to bring healing and hope and light and truth to the world around us. We need all of that. And as we engage in these faith catalysts, that's when we are able to grow. And so I just encourage you to be open um, 
and we have lots of spaces to do that in, not just our Sunday gatherings, but our home groups and our encounter prayer nights a couple of weeks ago. We had time for prophetic words to come forward and for us to hear what God might be saying and um, time to be prayed for, for healing. We have um, times in our home groups where we're not just sharing kind of, we're discussing, we're praying for each other, we're, we're speaking words over each other, we're listening to what God's Spirit is saying. This just happened in our home group a couple of weeks ago where someone would pray and someone right after said, hey, when, you, when we were praying, I had this picture for you. Someone had a scripture verse for someone that the next day that another person had it for that same person, totally out of the blue. We knew that's God's spirit speaking. These are the spaces and places where we work this stuff out. But as we close here, I want to take a moment and just um, have a short prayer that we're going to pray together for each of these gifts, for the people who have those gifts, or for God to give us more of those gifts to be present in our church so that our church can hear the voice and the words of Jesus and our world can hear it so that our church and the world around us can feel the impact of the work of Jesus, the good work of Jesus in this world and that we can see and feel and witness the presence and power of Jesus with us and through us. So we're gonna take a moment now and as these words are prayed and invite you to just pray them out loud and receive them for yourself. As I read these prayers now, I just invite you to pray them for yourself and for our faith community. And even if you're, you're watching with other people, pray them out loud with me as I read them. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us gifts that help us do the work of Jesus in the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to bring good and do good in our world through us. Strengthen us when we lose heart and energy. Protect us from burnout or having a savior complex. Give us more of your power and more of your heart for the people that we are called to serve. And release more gifts that do in our church. Amen. Holy Spirit, thank you for enabling us to speak in ways that help people hear the voice of Jesus. Thank you that you have called us to bring light, hope, truth, healing, and life through our words. Forgive us for using words that tear down others or build ourselves up. Protect us from speaking too quickly or without love. Release more gifts that speak in our church. Amen. And Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing visible demonstrations of the power and presence of Jesus into our world. We so need this. Grow our conviction that you still work and move in power today, but help us to trust you with how and when it all happens. Release more gifts that demonstrate your power, Lord, so that more and more people will see, love, and follow Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.